The power of living in his presence. I want you to turn to Psalm 91. I'm going to keep this brief this morning. Psalm 91, starting with verse 1. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High. You know, there are conditions. God loves us unconditionally, without a question. But there is an enemy out there who's going to try to ravage you. And the Word of God teaches that if we're going to resist the attacks of the enemy, we've got to be in the game and we've got to be on our game. Can I get an agreement? And to be in the game and on the game is about being in deep relationship with God. Some people want to casually go to church and casually read the Bible and casually live the Christian life. But David, who wrote this psalm, says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High. That word dwell in the Hebrew is the word yashab. Yashab. And it means to sit, to remain, to dwell, to settle, to make a habitation, to marry. Wow. That word marry really brings in a whole nother connotation. To dwell in his presence. I don't know what's happening with the sound up the back, but I could hear myself back here reverbing. And uh, not that I mind hearing myself, <laughs> but I'm hearing myself too much. All right. To dwell in the shelter of the Almighty. To, to settle, to make a habitation. Church, this message came to me in the middle of a prayer meeting a couple of Saturday mornings ago. And I just felt like the Spirit of God was wanting to woo us to get more intimate with Him. To spend time in His presence. And David says those who dwell in the uh, shelter of the Almighty. It means to remain, to habitate, as if to be married. You know, Jesus said a very similar thing in John chapter 15. In John chapter 15, Jesus starts to speak to us and he says, I am the true vine. And my Father, he's the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he will prune. Guys, I want to be in the game. I want you to be in the game. And if a branch dies, he, he cuts it off. And if a branch is bearing fruit, he'll prune it. I remember when we first moved to Australia, my parents took up the call to be pastors to Italian immigrants coming into Australia. And uh, here's this little kid from New York, the concrete jungle, and we, we uh, are living in this house in Adelaide, South Australia, and the backyard was absolutely full of fruit trees. Now, for you guys here in Florida, you know, that's pretty common, that's pretty normal. But I lived in a four-story apartment building in Flushing, Queens, New York, uh, five minutes away from uh, the Mets uh, baseball stadium, Shea Stadium. 
And so coming into contact with a backyard filled with fruit trees, it was already a culture shock. And we, we got there, and when we got there, it was right during that time where all the flowers were starting to blossom. And so we had peach trees, we had prune trees, we had apricot trees, we had orange trees, we had lemon trees, we had plum trees, all in the backyard of this one house. And I got to tell you that... Uh, I remember waking up one morning, it was right at spring, and all these fruit trees were flowering. And as a nine-year-old boy, I thought I was in heaven. I mean, it was the smell. I mean, can you imagine coming from Flushing, New York, and now you wake up and you smell this? I mean, I was used to signs on the sidewalk that would say, curb your dog. And I'm waking up and the backyard is literally just floating with an aroma of citrus scent and uh, just all kinds of fantastic flowers. Made an indelible impression on my mind. I was in another world. One of the men from the church taught my father. He says, uh, Pastor Scarallo, you see this tree? You see how it's bearing fruit? We have to prune it so that next season it'll bear even more fruit. And uh, my dad agreed. He said, okay, show me how. And the guy took to the pruning shears and he cut that thing back so much we, we thought he killed it. He killed it. I mean, honestly, we thought... Okay, you got a little bit too zealous here. <laughs> you destroyed this tree. He pruned it way back. But do you know the next season, that thing had twice as many fruit as it had the first time. You are in Christ if you've asked Jesus Christ in your heart. You're not in Christ just because you're in church. You're not in Christ because you've joined a religion. That's not what puts you in Christ. You're in Christ if you ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart and to live inside of you. Jesus said, I am in you. When you do that, he said, I am in you and you are in me. Amen. It is so important that we come to this experience in life. If you're here this morning and you've gone to church, you've heard about Jesus, and you know, you, you've sort of given him your vote of approval, I want you to understand that this goes way beyond. We're not talking about joining a religion. We're talking about dwelling in the shelter of God's presence. Letting Jesus Christ come into your heart and letting the Spirit of God really have access to your life and you having access to God's life. So here's David, a famed king of Israel, that to this day they look at King David's era as the golden age of Israel's history. And he's saying something that Jesus reiterates. Jesus says, he goes on to say, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, God will take away. Every branch that bears fruit, he will prune so it bears more fruit. 
You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And that word in the New Testament, to abide, means it, it, it runs parallel with the Hebrew word from the Old Testament, they that dwell in the house of the Lord, they that dwell in his shelter, to marry, to make a habitation, to squat and become like a squatter. Hey, you know, we need to be like squatters in the word of God. We need to be like squatters in the house of God. We need to be like squatters when it comes time to worship. Church isn't about how fast can we get this over and done with. Listen, just like you, you can tell when somebody really wants to be around you and when they don't want to be around you. And when somebody's t giving you a compliment, you know whether they're just blowing smoke or it comes from the heart. And if you can discern things like that, you don't think God can discern our attitude? When, when we come to church and we just want to get out of here as fast as possible, that's not the concept of dwelling. And when you pick up your Bible at home and you read a quick verse before you go home, that's not necessarily the concept of dwelling. It, we, we can do things out of obligation, but when you do things out of inspiration and out of passion, it takes on a whole nother category. Jesus said, if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. If you come and dwell with me, if you come and habitate with me, if you hang out with me, become one of my homies. That's what Jesus is talking about. You know, homies, what do they do? They hang out with each other. Better or worse, they hang out with each other. And Jesus is saying, I want you to be my disciple. I want to live with you. I want to talk with you. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to expand your understanding and fill you up with the mysteries of God's Word. Amen. You know, sometimes when the pastor, a pastor, talks about reading the Word of God, we all think it's this obligatory thing. You know, the reason why 39 folk have signed up for Bible school is because they are hungry and they understand that there is so much deeper in the Word of God than what's just on the surface. And I am, I'm just so proud of you for those of you who were able to register for now. And I know others want to and weren't able to, but let's give them a round of applause. They deserve recognition for the fact that they've made such a commitment. And I know others want to do it, and God bless you. I can't wait till you enroll too. But when we dwell in the Word of God, when we dig into God's Word, and we let God's Word dwell in us, God says, Jesus says, one and the same. God says, Jesus says, you will bear much fruit. In verse 5, I am the vine and you are the branches, and he who abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit. Without me you can do nothing. And if anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out, and he'll wither. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire. And it shall be done. 
And by this, my Father's glorified. Church, God is glorified when you prosper. God is glorified when you're blessed. God is glorified when things are working out. God is glorified when He sees the enemy under your feet. God is glorified when you're happy. God is glorified when you're getting the victory. God is glorified when you're getting a promotion. God is glorified when you're growing in grace and you're learning how to forgive people. Because when you learn how to forgive people, chains drop off of you. Amen. You know, the enemy uses people to sabotage us so that we get bitter and we get angry and we hold unforgiveness and that enables the enemy to wrap his arms around us. Stand up, big guy. This guy's bigger than me. I got to be careful. But it allows the enemy to wrap his arms around us and say, I gotcha, I gotcha. I set a trap for you and now you're really angry. You're, you're ticked off at that guy, but I gotcha, I gotcha. I can't even get my arms around him. Look. <laughs> I got to remember to pick somebody smaller than me next time. <laughs> the enemy does stuff to set us up, but when we start to abide in the Word of God and let the Word of God abide in us, the Word of God living in you, if you read it, if you meditate, if you spend time there, the Word of God will be the living Word of God, and it'll start talking to you. Amen. You know, your GPS talks to you. Sometimes I'm driving the car, and I'm calling my mother in New York, and while I'm calling her, the GPS is talking to me, and my mother says, who's that person in the car with you? <laughs> when the written Word of God, when we abide in it, when we love it, when we respect it, when we honor it, when we give it place in our lives, the written Word of God becomes the living Word of God, which becomes the spoken Word of God. And it's like a GPS on the inside. And He starts to steer us. And He starts to direct us. And Jesus said, if my words abide in you, you'll ask whatever you need and it will be done for you. Amen. The power of dwelling in his presence means that there's the God factor always going on inside your life. The power of living in his presence means that the Lagos, the conversations of God, become your Logos, and they come alive, and they start to release the creative power that the Holy Spirit will then perform miraculous things in you, on you, and around you. i got to be honest with you. Lately, I've been enjoying just as much, if not more, I've been enjoying the miraculous things God's been doing in me. I'm going through a season right now, a good season, where God is bringing up things that were hidden in my memories. And he's bringing a picture and, and, and a memory of everything that happened. And it just comes in a nanosecond. And he shows me either a, something that I pronounced as a curse or in anger or resentment or in fear and he's showing me how that's tied to other areas of my life. And I got to tell you, it's been a fantastic experience 
because I see chains dropping off of my life. Yeah, amen. Amen. You see, I love him. I respect him. And, and uh, you know, there's quite a few folk who've been coming out in the mornings to pray. And every morning, one of, one of my many prayers is, Holy Spirit, keep changing me. I like what you're doing. I want to come to the fullness of my destiny in Christ. So change the way I see. Yeah. Change the way I think. Change anything and everything in me. And as I've been dwelling in him, as I've been spending time in prayer and time in his word, God has been literally bringing back incidences that were buried in my memory. And then I take the appropriate action and where I need to renounce the curse or renounce the unforgiveness or renounce the bitterness or forgive someone. A whole new sense of freedom and victory. But in many ways, if you make God your dwelling place, if you learn to marry into him, I mean, we are theoretically and theologically, we are married to Christ. But you all know, we all know, there are two kinds of marriage. There's the type of marriage where some people just avoid each other. And then there's the type of marriage where they can't get enough of each other. And we want to have that kind of marriage with God. Amen. Can I get an agreement? Amen. If God is a convenient add-on, then don't expect that God will always conveniently be there. I thank God for grace. And there have been many times in my life where I've not given him the respect or the honor or the attention he's deserved. And in a moment of crisis, I've been able to yell out the name of Jesus and he was there. But I don't want to live in a relationship that abuses the goodness of another person. Come on now. And I believe that the heart of God is wanting to draw all of us to a place where we start to dwell with him and just hang out with him and live with him. And that's one of the reasons why we allow worship to be prolonged. Because I don't want to just sing the words that somebody else crafted and they're getting royalties. I want to sing it till my own spirit has taken hold of it. I want to sing it till the spirit of God moves to such a place where we start singing songs in the spirit ourselves. I want my heart, I want my mind to start to put aside the things of the day so that I really become in tune and involved with the worship so that his presence starts to filter through all of the debris. To dwell, to dwell, to squat, to remain, to sit, to hang out, to abide in him. Come on, church. You all know, we all know, we're living in tough times. And I don't say that to put fear in our hearts. I say that to make us wise. We need to be rock solid in the things of God. We need to sure up our relationship, get into the Word, spend time with the Holy Ghost. And, and David, 
He goes on to say, the second half of verse 1, David goes on to say in Psalm 91, verse 1, but the second half, he says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And that word shadow in the Hebrew is tasal. And it means you will rest in his shadow, you will rest in his shade, you will rest in his defense. In other words, the defenses of God will surround you and protect you and keep you safe. The power of living in God's presence. Yep, you could come to church every Sunday and call that your due diligence. Or you could come to church once a month and call that your due diligence. Or even come once every six weeks and say, that's my due diligence. I don't know that that's the kind of marriage I would want to be a part. I don't want to be a part of a marriage like that. I don't think you want to be a part of a marriage like that. Because somebody in that relationship's getting ripped off. This is what I know. I come to church regularly, but I also am the church, and I meet with God here, there, and everywhere. Amen. I, Amen. Yeah. I need this because this sharpens us. I need the corporate worship. You need the corporate worship. We come together to let that corporate presence, sometimes by myself, I'm so beat up or so open heavy from the enemy trying to oppress me, it's harder to just let it go and catch hold of the presence of God. But when I come in here and they start singing, whose faith is here, whose faith is there, whose faith is here, who's primed up over there, and there's that corporate anointing. How many of you know that you've walked in a church many times? I want you to testify to this. You've walked in a church many times and you weren't all there, but once the worship started, you got there. Absolutely. So David says that whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will, um, <clears throat> sorry, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Praise God. Psalm 91, verse 2. David says, this is a follow-on. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Hear what David is saying. I will say it. I will say it. You see, we come to church, but we don't always get into the practice of dwelling in the things of God. David says, I will say, I'm going to confess, the Lord, is my the Lord is my refuge, and he's my fortress, in him I trust. Why was David so protected? Because he, he would confess this all the time. We were talking about this earlier in the worship time. 
David would make these confessions, but he could rightly make these confessions because he dwelled in the presence of God. He knew, man, I hang out with God and my relationship with God is tight. I will just sit, I will live, I will run, I will walk, I will journey in the shadow of God's defenses. I don't know about you, but I love the thought of living in the shadow of God's defenses. You know, the enemy knows how big God is. He doesn't want to come anywhere near where the defenses of God are. And David says, I will say of the Lord, it is important for you to know what the Word of God says so that you can do what David did and say the right things about God. The enemy wants you to say negative things about God. He wants you to believe and he wants you to project negative things about God. But David said, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, he's my fortress, and in him I will trust. It's like this. You know, those are the written words. But David as a man... He was a warrior. He was a king. He was living in hard times. And what David is trying to explain in words written on paper is that the spirit of his life was categorized in the fact that he had relationship with God. He knew God. He understood God. And he was constantly saying things like, God's got me. He's got my back. I know that God is my protector. I live in the shadow of God's presence and God's defenses are always around me. And every time he'd hear bad news, every time something negative would happen, David would stir himself up and he'd remind himself, I know who I believe in and God's got this. God's got me. God is with me. God is my fortress. God is my deliverer. God is my high tower. God is my protector. I've got the victory in Jesus name you see when you dwell in the word and you dwell in his presence all of that stuff comes together and the word of God becomes the living God and it starts to speak to you and then it'll come out of your mouth and when it comes out of your mouth the devil hears the words that sound just like the echo of Jesus himself The power of living in his presence. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. If you were to read the rest of this psalm, David says, The fowler, the trapper, will try to set traps for you but God will keep you from his snares he'll keep you from his traps David says things like pestilence will come but the defenses of God will surround you and it won't come near you you see the mentality you see you see a man who understood the nature and the character of God some people believe that God is erratic and one moment he'll save you, and another day he'll deliberately take you in your prime. One day God wants to bless you, and another day he wants to slap you and get revenge. I don't believe that. That's not the character in the heart of God. And strength comes from knowing what God is really like. Daniel... <laughs> 
Daniel one day is living in his hometown of Jerusalem, a Hebrew boy, and the next day he's in Babylon under the rule of King Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel said, those who know their God, people who understand the heart and the character of God, they'll be strong. You see, our strength comes from dwelling in His presence and getting to know Him. Our strength comes from dwelling in His Word and letting His Word get inside of us. Token Christianity isn't relationship. Christianity in itself could just become like a religion. Oh, well, I said the prayer, I'm born again, I'm a Christian. You could be a Christian and be just as religious. It's not, we we say it all the time. But sometimes we say it all the time. Christianity is not a religion. It's not about a religion. But some of us, sometimes we fall into this religious cycle. I want to dwell with him. I want to habitate with him. I want to see his smile towards me like you're smiling right now. I want to spend time with his Holy Spirit in his word and have times where God from his word just whispers in my ear and he tells me the very thing I need. I want to be accustomed to hanging out in his presence, whether it's in worship at home or worship in church, whether it's listening to the preacher here or just listening to the preacher called the Holy Spirit who preaches to me like a GPS when I'm feasting on the Word of God. Listen, we have a mentality of going to church. God wants to have church in your lap. He wants to have church in your heart. He wants relationship. And it's out of this that David says, those who dwell in his shelter. They'll live in the shade of his defenses. Amen. I think sometimes as Americans, as people, we get so busy. We do this in our personal relationships with our kids. We do this in our relationship with our husband or our wife. We do this with people in general. We get so busy, we forget to have relationship. And we do it with God. If you want the strength of God working in your life, don't be so busy about your business that you never have time to settle and just dwell with Him. Come on, church. I appreciate you're here today. But I felt in prayer meeting a couple of weeks ago, God saying, call them to abide with me. Call them to hang out with me. Call them to just relax in me and let my word be in them. Call them. Call them to turn from their busyness. Call them to turn from priorities that they've inadvertently made idols. Call them to turn from their adultery to other things. Call them to come back and love on me and be with me 
because I will be all the fruit that they can bear. They will be blessed. They will be blessed. They will be blessed. How many of you believe that if you dwell in God's presence, you'll be blessed? Amen. Amen. Right now, I want you to just close your eyes for a moment. And if the Spirit of God, not if, the Spirit of God is talking to you. And if there are things you need to repent of and make right, then why don't you do that right now in this time and place where we're in His presence and say, God, I'm going to come back and spend more time with you. I need to. I'm sorry. We're so busy trying to make a living, we're not making a life with God. Do you know God can make you the living quicker than you can? I believe that everything comes out of spending time with Him. And if we neglect Him and neglect our relationship with Him, we've neglected ourselves. I gain when I give Him entrance and access to every part of me. And so right now, if you have never asked Jesus Christ into your heart, maybe you've been to church, maybe you were christened, maybe you were baptized, but you haven't really given your heart to Jesus Christ. If you've never been born again, you don't know what that means. Friend, that's the starting place. That's just the beginning. But it's the official welcome of letting Jesus come into your life to be your Lord, to be your Savior. It's the open door. It's the moment where His Spirit comes into your spirit and spiritually you come alive. If you've never asked Jesus in your heart, this, then right now, I challenge you in a good way. I love you. I embrace you. I encourage you. Come on, put your hand up with me right now. If that's you, put your hand up and say, I want to ask Jesus Christ to come into my heart. Okay, thank you. Thank you. There's a hand up the back there. Thank you. Who else? I really feel in my heart there's more. Thank you. I see that hand to my left. Thank you. God bless you. There's another. Thank you. God bless you. God's moving all over this house. I, I, I do believe there are more. There are others. I feel it in my spirit. But God's wooing you to come to Him. Let Him be the one who lives inside of you. I'm going to ask my prayer partners to start coming out the front. Church, I'm going to ask you very respectfully, very gently, just turn to someone next to you and say, do you know Jesus? Is he your Lord and Savior? Would you like to go out the front? I'll come with you. And those of you who raised your hand, even before someone turns to you, come on down. I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. I want to bless you. I want to introduce you. Thank you for raising your hands. Come, come. Just step out of the aisle. Come. That's it. That's it. God bless you. God bless you. Come on. Church, give them a big hand as they come and they're starting to move. I see them making a move. Thank you, Jesus. Come stand by me. Come stand by me. Carmen, come stand by me. All right.
Good girl. That's it. Stand by me. You know the song, Stand By Me. Yes. Now, is that your sister? My daughter. You look too young. I know she's really young. I'm not too young. That's your daughter? Wow. G'day, Mom. Well, why don't I call your daughter to come and stand next to you? Awesome. Here. There you go. Fantastic. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Awesome. Fantastic. This is so important. So important. This is great. Hello. God bless you guys. This is so important. I want everyone to close your eyes. Yeah, come on. Come on. More are coming. God bless you. Awesome. Awesome. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. If, if we could only understand how much God really loves us. He gets us. He really does. You know, to a lot of people, I'm strange. And maybe I am. But he gets me. Thank you. She just said, I'm cool. Thank you. But, but you know, e even if we are messed up, even if we are broken, even if we are strange, he gets us. No one will ever get you like God gets you. I love this guy. I've been, <laughs> I've been talking about him for over 40 years. I can honestly say, I don't do this for the money. Honest. I don't. I love him more and more. I love him because he's been so good to me. He has been so good to me. And he wants to be so good to you also. I have made some screwed up mistakes. I really have. Even after I became a preacher, I, I've made mistakes. Things I, I thank God you're never going to find out about because they're under the blood of Jesus. And you know what? He doesn't throw them in my face. He loves me. He encourages me. Because a real relationship is about a journey. A real relationship is about a journey. And this whole thing with Jesus, it's a journey. You don't have to be good enough. You just have to say yes. I think the lottery, it's one in 50 million might win with Jesus. All you do is say yes and you win. Amen. 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 So I want everyone to close your eyes right now. And especially those of you that are making this decision this morning. Everyone's going to pray it, but I want you to pray it. And we're going to say something like this. Dear God, I don't know what's going on right now, but I sense a presence. And I feel like you love me. Jesus, I believe you are God. And I'm welcoming you in my life. Come into my heart right now. Live in me. I want to live with you. I want to talk with you. I want to hear you. And by the way, I got baggage. But I know you already know that. And you love me even with my baggage 
forgive me for all my mistakes. Wash away my wrong decisions and heal me of the hurts and the wounds and the bruises that I've received through life. God, I thank you today that you love me. You love me. I receive you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, give them a big round of applause. Thank you, Jesus.